0: I think most of us go through life unconscious, not realizing it, right? And and what I mean by that is we are making decisions based on maybe what we're being told or our past experience. And we're not really thinking about it. We're not questioning it. We're just kind of on autopilot.
1: Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, and this is my co-host, Seth Heckerman. Today's guest is Casey Gray of Ottawa, Ontario. Casey is known as the Conscious Builder. He's a podcaster and a builder remodeler under that name, the Conscious Builder. You can find him at theconsciousbuilder.com and also at caseygray.com. The Conscious Builder is an award-winning sustainable building company. They have a focus on net zero and passive home construction. Um, Doing those things, Casey is very much a disruptor, disruptor, and he also cares about the future of construction and the impact of construction on the environment. Um, Casey, welcome to Construction Disruption. Uh, I'm looking forward to a great discussion today. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much for having me here. Good. Well, you describe yourself as a husband, father, entrepreneur, and construction industry leader. Um, could you share with us a little bit about what brought you to where you are today, and where your interest in construction maybe came from?
0: Yeah, uh, that could be a long story, uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know which parts of that. But you know, obviously, now we'll stick to construction, but. Uh, My interest in construction started in high school. Ultimately, it was my best class. Uh, I went through high school thinking that I was going to be an engineer. So I was taking all these courses, uh, but then took shop class as soon as I could start taking it and realized that that's what I liked and that's what I was obviously good at. And uh, once they started pushing the apprenticeships, uh, which was perfect, uh, I said, I don't want to go to school. I want to do this. I went home, told my mom and she was very supportive actually. And after that, the rest of my uh, classes kind of went to went down slowly, or probably fairly quickly, because <laughs> I just started. I really stopped focusing on on those. Right, I was very much like, okay, well, if I'm not going to use these, why do I need to put that much effort into it? Uh, not that I don't work hard, but uh, I like to focus my efforts, and and that's kind of where construction began for me after high school. I, I went out and I started looking. I turned down a few jobs because I was specifically looking for an apprenticeship. Eventually, I found a great position with a small renovation company who was starting at the time, starting to do more of their own development projects. So I learned a ton from a couple of great carpenters there, worked for them for almost seven years, and then went off on my own. And things started to evolve from there. At first, it was just you know a young guy in my 20s. Just want to make money and do a good do a good job, but it wasn't until my wife and I actually attended a Tony Robbins event that everything started to change. And if you're not familiar with Tony Robbins, he's you know everyone thinks he's a big motivational guy, but uh, that's not really how he describes himself. But he will get you pumped up, but he finds what motivates. You uh, and this event, I had no idea what I was going into. My wife said, hey, do you wanna to go to this event? I said, sure, I didn't really ask any questions and it was life-changing. And wow. we came out of that event just with with one, bi- the biggest takeaway was was to ask better questions. And from there we started asking ourselves better questions. And for myself it was, what? why am I doing this? What do I want to leave behind? and started really thinking and then not too long after that at another Tony Robbins event because we started going deeper because it was so it was great because we were learning so much and doing this Uh, at another Tony Robbins event we found out that we were having our first child and that's when it really sunk in for me it's all right if I'm going to tell this little person I didn't know it was a boy at the time I'm going to tell this little person that he or she can be or do whatever he or she wants uh, I'm going to have to lead by example. And if I want to leave this place better than it was when I showed up, what can I do with the skills that I have? And that's when the conscious builder and everything kind of started to come into focus.
1: Very neat. And I know, you know, my my story is a little bit similar. A lot of things changed when that first child came along. Uh, Well, our only child also, but uh, you really start to change perspective. So you grew up there in, in Ottawa, is that correct? Yep, yeah, born and raised here uh, in a little, well, I guess part of Ottawa. It's called Orleans, but moved out of there when I was about 22 and never went back. Too much traffic that end of the city. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, and it's interesting too, because when you talked about technical education and apprenticeships, uh, we had another recent guest here on the show uh, who is Tony Trapp, who is with Upper Valley Career Center. And we talked a lot about the uh, apprentice programs they have developed. And really those things are pretty New here in the states, I, I think because of more European influence, in particular in Ottawa, it's it's probably more common to have those apprentice programs. Is that true?
0: Well, across Canada, apprenticeships are there's the I guess they're called red seal certificates. Right, once you get certified, most trades, actually all trades, from what I'm aware of, need to be certified. With the exception of carpentry, you actually don't need to be certified to be a carpenter, which is somewhat interesting but yes. even the guys i learned to amazing carpenters or the guys i learned from amazing carpenters they weren't technically licensed uh but uh it goes for for everything i think like even uh hairstylists are in there as an apprentice right you can do the apprenticeship for that um, but you don't have to be
1: license to do that. Uh, but in construction, I think most things are other than carpentry. That makes a lot of sense. And that yeah, what uh, that reason guest was talking about really rang uh, well and, and strong with us as well. So- I understand that part of your goal, um, especially through the podcasting and your active websites, um, is to help other contractors also become conscious builders. Um, And I love the term conscious builder. Can you tell us a little bit? is, Is that something you came up with, how that came to be?
0: Yeah, it came to be because it was really from that Tony Robbins, that thinking, talking uh with my wife. We actually I started to become really attracted to the word conscious because consciousness is really a state of being aware, right? That that's what consciousness is. And I think most of us go through life unconscious, not realizing it, right? And and what I mean by that is we are making decisions Based on maybe what we're being told or our past experience. And we're not really thinking about it. We're not questioning it. We're just kind of on autopilot. Right. And there's a lot of things, not just in construction, uh, where that applies. So my wife and I actually started something called the Conscious Living podcast. And that's kind of what we started on the side. We don't, we no longer do that. She ended up doing a bunch of episodes without me because I got too busy on the construction side. But we kind of brought that into the construction and rebranded the company under the Conscious Builder because it's, It's about not even just for contractors but raising the the awareness for homeowners as well because they need to ask questions they need to be aware of i see our role as giving the information that they need in order to make a conscious decision and it's not up to us everything we do is custom right i'm not going to sit here and tell you how to do something or why you should do it a certain way Uh, i'll tell you what what we know what we believe is the best way to do it in whatever we're talking about there's many different things in construction right and then it's up to the other person the homeowner to make a decision for what's best for them because they're going to have different factors that affect their decision right we all have to make decisions around money what's important to us other factors, people that live in the house, uh, potentially health concerns, right? So there's a bunch of different factors. So it's not a one size fits all. It's about what's, it's about making the decision that works best for you.
1: So I know that, you know, as you talk about that, another thing I think a lot about is, you know, I, I think a lot in terms of introspection. And I think so many folks do go through life kind of on autopilot, more um, reactive than really, you know, thinking internally. Um, so it, it sounds like you, I'm impressed by a lot of the things I've seen on your website. And it looks like you're a guy who often thinks, you know, internally, why am I doing this? And is this the right thing? Is, is, Is that true? Is that something you try to impart to people as well? Is that internal dialogue, if you will, or introspection?
0: Yeah, it's introspection. And and also, I guess I'm, for whatever reason, I'm kind of wired that way is, you know, thinking ahead, you know, what are, what's going to happen, you know, and that's part of what my role is as the, you know, CEO, the founder of The Conscious Builder is we, I need to be looking further ahead and where the industry is going and so forth. Uh, but ultimately uh, I want to make sure that, uh, it feels right for me as well, right? I need to be driven by it. I I need, if I'm going to be driving this bus, uh, I need to know where we're going and why we're going there. So yeah, there's a lot of work. And what I've realized uh, after being in business for uh, almost 12 years at this point is uh, business entrepreneurship, doesn't matter what the business is, it's 80% psychology and 20% mechanics, right? It doesn't matter if you know how to build a house. Uh, If your psychology is not there, your business is not going to succeed. Right? And that's and that's why the majority of businesses, I don't know what the stat is, but something like 97% of businesses fail. It's because of the psychology of the owner, right? It's it's a lot of people like the idea of business ownership. A lot of people like the idea of becoming famous, but they don't want to do the work that's required to actually get to that point. Right? So there there's there's a lot of work that needs to happen on the back end and the quote that sticks with me is like you get rewarded in public for what you do in private right and and that's what a lot of that internal introspect that introspection is
1: very neat and and that has to serve your customers extremely well i I know I have a local contractor who is who I always call on to do work at my home and he's an older guy but he is so introspective and brings so much insight And I'm often thinking man if you could just bottle this and franchise it and <laughs> he he doesn't even understand what he has and you know at this point he's he's up close to retirement but uh How special that's been in terms of what that's brought to my wife and I as homeowners and kind of living into making our house be what we want it to be. And, and, uh, been very cool.
0: It kind of sounds like a character from the book called The Carpenter. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I do not think I am familiar with that, though. I actually think I have it. Who's that by? John Gordon. Okay. Uh, so yeah, this, this book, The Carpenter, really easy read, but it's, Not about carpentry at all. It's about a carpenter who's basically teaching life lessons to this person he's doing work for. So pretty interesting. Maybe it's based on your car,
1: your carpenter.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Might be, might be. A lot of our listeners, I do think, are business owners, or we know, are business owners. So that line you said, 80% psychology, 20% mechanics, and your focus on that and understanding for the health of yourself, your family, and your business, how critical it is. I'm just curious, do you have any... Habits, practices, rituals that, that help you maintain a healthy, uh, psychology in the day in, day out stresses of your business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you, you have to, if you're going to have to, do, you know, be in this world, uh, in, in the entrepreneurship world, especially in construction, because <laughs> you sure. deal with problems, especially these days, right? All business everywhere. It's crazy. You can't predict what's going to happen then tomorrow. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that's, that's helped me is that I start my, day in control and i end my day in control uh so because you can't control what's going to happen in between and what i've realized is that you the only thing that you can control we all think that we can control more like oh we think we can control our team members or our clients or, or our kids or whatever it may be is we have no control over anything in reality we really break it down we cannot control anything other than how we act or react in any given situation that's the only thing we have control over there's just And if anybody wants to argue with i'd I'd love to hear their points on that sort of thing right because we can't sure we can influence people right and and i think that that's important you want to influence people you want to inspire people to move in a certain direction uh if you believe it's going to serve them that's that's kind of part of the point of living is to continue to spread that but uh so what i do in the mornings is uh, I always have my morning routine, so I started off with like lemon water. We have a puppy now, so it's kind of thrown off my my morning routines a little bit, uh, but it'll go back to normal soon. Uh, but when the puppy's not in, <laughs> in the mix sort of thing, uh, I have uh, I, I do my lemon water, I meditate, I read, and it, the reading could be anything really. It could be something that's interested interested me it could be blog posts Uh, sometimes i might watch some youtube videos just do something to kind of educate myself Uh, i then do a workout and workouts don't have to be long right just get the blood flowing and uh, then usually at that point you know that that's going to take me an hour or so hour, hour and a half. And at that point, uh, my wife takes good care of me. So we do celery juice every single morning. So after my workout, that's ready. If it's not ready, I usually get to work or I start kind of doing my emails and then kind of the rest of the day goes from there. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, I make sure to shut down at a decent time because if I'm staring at the computer screen all day and try to go to sleep, it doesn't work. Uh, so, and same thing, I, I usually keep it pretty simple at the end of the day. Uh, but I try not to get into emails, like important emails, at the end of the day that might keep me thinking. Right? So, I'll, I'll once again, I'll, I'll do some research, I'll work on something that I know is not going to keep me awake at night, uh, and then I'll read and may, and usually do some writing. I have a gratitude journal. I'll write in that, and then that kind of allows me to kind of fall asleep and let go of the day, so to speak.
1: <laughs> what a what a great day. Um, good stuff. So your business um, focuses on passive construction as one of the things that you do and, and remodeling. Um, for our listeners and viewers who maybe don't know what that term means, could you kind of describe a little bit or tell us a bit about passive construction?
0: Yeah, so the first thing I'll say is that there's a difference between like passive construction, I guess, I'm assuming in the way that you might be uh, asking about it and a certified passive house. So a certified passive house is actually a building standard. So passive house, uh, either passive house international, passive house US are building standards, just like Energy Star or LEED certification. Uh, Now, somebody who might be building a passive inspired house or a passive solar house is not the same thing because I've come across those houses and they're, and they're very, they're very far apart. So what we talk about is the certified passive house construction, or uh, a lot of things that we've been doing lately are net zero, but that's not to the extent of passive house. So what passive house takes into account is, yes, it takes into account the sun, but it's not necessarily required. It gets factored into the modeling. We don't do the modeling. We work with energy advisors who do that. But the biggest factor is it focuses on energy consumption for that home and it needs to keep it down within a certain range. And you need to really focus on the envelope and then the mechanical systems. So the envelope is going to be your, all of your insulation and your air sealing. And obviously you're gonna have your weather barrier and your vapor barrier as well, but it really focuses on the amount of insulation and making sure that your air tightness is at 0.6 ACH, which stands for air changes per hour or less, which is extremely airtight. And I think minimum building code here in Ontario now is two, is it 2.5 now? It was four. I think it was, it was four and then energy stars 2.5. I don't even know because we're always going beyond that, right? So I've never actually, I can't remember if they've changed that. Um, but it's somewhere in there. Uh, so to, so it gives you an idea of what 0.6 is, right? And the way you do that is through a blower door test and it simulates 50 kilometer an hour winds on all four sides of the house. And you can do a pressurization and a depressurization test. And they'll be different, right? Because there's flaps, right? You want If you have like all these dryer vents and kitchen vents and stuff like that, when you depressurize a house, those close, but when you pressurize a house, those all open up. So those are all holes in the assemblies. And I can get more into some of those details if you're interested. But that's kind of what it's focusing on. And when you do that, it drops the the heating and cooling demand by so much that you can usually reduce the size of your heating system, right? So the very first certified passive house that we built was our own house, not the one that we're in right now. Uh, That whole house with the basement was about 4,000 square feet. So it was about 2,500 or 2,600. What was it? 20? Yeah, I think it was about 2,600 on the first and second floor. And then the additional, or sorry, 2,800. Then we have 1,200 in the basement. That whole house only needed about 18. It was just under 19,000 BTUs to heat 4,000 square feet in a climate where we can get to minus 30, right? So we're we're so we're pretty, we can get cold, but we also get to like easily to plus 30, and I'm talking Celsius, right? So we also get to plus 30 Celsius uh, in the summer. So we have both extremes here. So the thing that's different is that a certified passive house here is overkill for a certified passive house in California right? A certified passive house in California is probably minimum building code here in Ontario. Uh, I, I don't actually know with it, but I remember reading an article that was, you know, I think it was in like fine home building. And they said, Oh, look at this great passive house. And I was talking about like walls that are R30 and stuff like we, we almost have to do that by minimum building code here. Right. So, uh, so there's a, there's a, there's a big difference, uh, when when talking about those things and and you really need to understand when you get into building something like this you need to understand building science or have a team that understands building science because you can actually create some issues in your wall assembly which will affect your indoor air quality if things aren't done properly when you're building an R72 wall you need to understand what's going to happen to that wall if water gets into it right so and and it's not If it's more like when water gets into it, because it will, at some point, a mouse will get in, chew a hole and because the house is so airtight, every little pinhole becomes like a jet of water at certain times of the year. Right. So these are all things that need to be understood when building, when building things.
1: So what do you think is kind of the number one thing that prevents more property owners and contractors from, um, pursuing, um, you know, passive construction, environmentally friendly construction, what, what are the things holding them back? Do you think? Uh,
0: so I think a lot of people would say cost, right? So like obviously passive house is an extreme. You don't have to go to passive house. You don't have to go for the certification, but we do need to build better. Right? And, and not only for, you know, improving the efficiency, but for the health of the people who live in the house and for the comfort for the people who live in the house. And when you build a healthy, comfortable home, by default, you will end up with an efficient home. So I think one of the biggest things is that people get stuck on the cost. Uh, and like as a as a contractor so right now, I'm working on a course for the Conscious Builder Academy that's about marketing and selling passive houses or other types of green building, right? So that's gonna be our next course that comes out because people get stuck on price and they're, they're not, Focused on what's really important, and they forget that we're all human, and human make des- humans make decisions based on emotions, not on logic, <laughs> right? If it was based on logic, nobody would buy a supercar, <laughs> right? So right. we don't we don't spend we don't spend money uh, logically. We we spend money on things that are most important to us. So if you can understand what's most important to that person, you can usually address that. So what I've moved away from talking about price. Yes, it's going to be expensive, but building a custom home, whether it's Built to net zero or passive house or anything is expensive to begin with, right? So we have to just have that conversation around. Okay, well, what do you have to spend, and what are your main goals? And we need to align as much of those as possible. So that, that's kind of like on the on the contractor, you know, dealing with homeowners. Um, but when homeowners maybe want to do something, they're going to contractors. Maybe contractors are talking them out of it it's usually just because they don't understand it, right? And there, and then as a business, this is where it gets a little tricky is as a business, you need to do things that make you money <laughs> because without money, that's your lifeblood, you're gonna be out of business and then you can't continue to serve people. So you need to find a way that to generate that income. And if you're doing something, you've been doing it the same way over and over and over again, if you're gonna change the way you do it, that's that's difficult in some cases, depending on how your business is set up. So we've kind of created a niche for ourselves in the fact that we we can basically do anything. As long as it's building beyond the building code, we're interested in doing that type of building. And that's what people reach out to us for. But we've also we also know that most of our projects are different. We're not doing the same thing over and over again. So it's going to come at a premium just because we have to figure out a lot of things to begin with. And that's just the reality of construction with renovating these old houses and making them more efficient.
1: What percent of your business is renovation versus new construction?
0: Uh, I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but if we look at number of projects, we're probably, like majority of our projects are still renovations. We're doing, you know, a couple of custom homes a year. Next year is probably the most we have, four, assuming they all start, we have four custom homes to do next year, but that's the most that we've ever started in a year. It's usually around one or two, and then the rest of our work is renovations. Um, So dollar-wise though, it's probably, you know, it costs a lot more to build a custom home than to do a retrofit, depending on the scale of the retrofit, right? So we're project-wise, you know, we're probably 90% renovations, but dollar-wise we're probably, you know 80% custom home sort of thing <laughs>
1: gotcha so so as you approach a renovation project and, and you know folks are kind of considering okay what can they do and you're bringing ideas to them and and you know the benefits of those ideas what, what are some of the common low-hanging fruit that you're saying you know if you're gonna invest money any place this would be a really wise thing for you or, or is every project so unique there is no commonality
0: well I think that's where some people get stuck is they or or they make mistakes is because they tackle the low-hanging fruit first oh interesting that's usually not the way you want to do it when it comes to renovation that's why you need to look at the big picture so what are your goals so I just I have conversations like this every single week with potential clients it's is what are your goals, right? What are you looking to achieve? And there's been a lot of programs out there that have come out that have basically been furnace replacement programs. So people go in, you get some grant money and you replace your furnace and sure, you drop your bill, but you don't really improve anything right you don't make your house healthier you don't make your house more comfortable (laughs) you might not even you know maybe you save a little bit of gas sort of thing Um, but now they're starting to get away from those types of programs which is good Um, so so here's the thing the low-hanging fruit from a cost perspective might be to change your heating system but if you plan on changing your windows and you plan on improving your envelope now you've overpaid for your heating system and you're causing a problem because you could end up with a system that short cycles. So if your home needs a 100,000 BTUs to heat and you change your furnace, say you put in an air source heat pump and, you know, to get off natural gas, for example, and then, you know, 2 years later, you change your windows and add some insulation to your walls and your heating demand drops to 50 <laughs> 50,000 BTUs I suppose to 100,000. Well, now you could be short cycling, which is going to cause comfort issues and potentially health issues, depending on how the ventilation, how the fresh air system and everything comes into the into the play, right? So, it's very much okay, what is what are your goals? What do you plan on doing? Like tell me everything. And then based on that, we can say, okay, we need to tackle this first. And if they don't have the money to do it right, away, maybe you wait a little bit, right? Um, Because it does make sense. You have to do the envelope first. If you plan on doing the envelope, you have to do that first because that's going to affect everything else. If you make your house more airtight and you add more insulation, it will perform better and you will not need as much
1: uh, heating and as much cooling. So would you say that's kind of a common big mistake folks make is not looking at that big picture? not taking that holistic view, um, and then focusing on this or that, and then finding out later on that didn't really fulfill their bigger goals.
0: Yeah. And that was one of my calls yesterday is they had a renovation done by another contractor in the city, like in 2017, and she started off the conversation was with, we're really disappointed because if we knew then what we know now, we wouldn't have done any of that work without doing this other work, (laughs) right? So, um, which you know obviously we could have guided them in that direction uh, we never had a conversation back then but that that that's the tricky part and and who knows maybe that con- that contractor was doing the best that they could with what they knew at the time sure right so that that's always the tricky part
1: I, i'm curious which do you get more enjoyment from you know helping someone through a New construction project where you've got a complete blank slate or helping someone take an existing home and really, you know, change it in ways that are good for them, good for the environment, you know, good for everything. Which which
0: do you enjoy more? It's hard to say. Like what, what I get the most enjoyment from now is actually working on the business stuff, right? I, I like talking with clients. I like those initial conversations. But I, I like – I like working on the business so that my team has the opportunity to work on those projects right i'm not swinging the hammer that often anymore. I did last year just because we had so much work we didn't have the manpower and we did a, a test project with a with our youtube <laughs> with our youtube uh show, so I had to throw the pouch on but the enjoyment for me is, is really in creating those opportunities for other people to be a part of it and to, to do what they all ultimately love to do, right? Our, our carpenters love to, they, they're passionate about what they do and they want to build better. And the projects get better and better because we get better and better, right? And we learn more and new products come out and, and,
1: you know, it's, there, there's always something new to learn. Good stuff. Well, well, why do your clients, why do most of them seek you out? I mean, your your website has a very different feel from it, to it for most builders and remodelers. Um, and I know that you really put a lot of emphasis, you've alluded to it already, uh, on that customer experience. Um, curious, why do you think your customers ultimately do end up gravitating toward you? Is it that experience? Is it the, the quality that you bring?
0: Yeah, well, the people who come to us have usually been referred to us, or they've heard of us or saw our sign, and then they did their research because everyone does their research. And and what I've realized, like the first, the first um, experience that people get with us is online, right? That's what people do before you do anything, you go online and you research. (laughs) So we need that to be the the first experience with somebody reaching out to us. And that's one of the reasons why we started doing a lot of videos is the the video itself doesn't necessarily get the sale or the, the podcast or the interview, whatever it may be. But what that does is creates trust, right? And it puts information out there. And the more we do, the more trust that we gain because people see that we are committed, that we're not going anywhere, right? That's kind of our proof that, hey, we're doing this and we're here to stay and we're going to continue to get better and learn more. And we're happy to work with you if you want to work with us, right? As long as the vision life, people reach out to us and they just want to build something as cheap as possible. I, I kindly decline and... We're not the contract for you. There's a lot of other people out there. Right. So uh, I'm not interested in playing that game. Luckily, we've set ourselves up, it took time to get there, but we don't have to play that game. And, you know, I recommend that contractors don't play that game either because that's how you get in trouble in business. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it comes down to trust. And they're, and they're usually, they're because they're doing education or, or they're, sorry, because they're looking for things that they're already aware of, like how to build a better home they come across our videos and then they realize that we're co- we're aligned on that front so it makes for a much easier conversation at that point, right? When they use a lot of people I talk to, they're like, oh, I feel like I already know you already because I've been watching so many of your videos, which is perfect because that's what we want the videos to do, right? So mission accomplished, you
1: know, that was the first sales call. It was online. I didn't have to be there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious because you do do so much with video. Is that something, did did you watch someone else doing that and say, gee, was that smart or is that, does that just become a natural part of how you developed your business and your way of uh, doing things? I can't remember.
0: Like, I remember when I got into podcasting. So there we there was an employee working for us. Her name was Veronica. And this was seven years ago, probably. She's like, do you know what podcasts are? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you should check them out and see what people are doing. So I did. And two weeks later, we started a podcast. So it just makes sense, right? And, and Tony Robbins, like I did do his business mastery one. They talk a lot about educational marketing, Right. And, and wanting to go out there and just putting information out there for, for no reason other than it just sets you up as. expert right in your field or in your city in your town whatever it may be we don't need to build houses for people all over the world right if we get a few houses we're good right so this is kind of just us giving back in a way but it also helps me stay on my toes right when i when i have to when i interview people or people interview me i'm usually learning something new because i'm not going to pretend that i know everything right i already said i'm always learning something new the, it forces me to up my game and have fun at the same
1: time. I, I know that in your marketing you use the words "hospitality and "transparency. Those aren't words that I hear contractors using a whole lot. Um, kind of curious how you bring those into your customer experience and what that means. That's exactly why we brought it in because you don't hear it in construction, really, right? If you think about it, like everything I
0: do is is different from the norm, right? If if, if if everyone's running one way, I'm going to be, and I'm not the only person who does this, but I'm going to stand back. Okay. Why are you running that way? And why don't we go this way? Because just because everyone's running that way doesn't mean it makes sense, right? When, when contractors hide all their costs and they're trying, like, I don't know if you've seen a picture, but there's a picture online and it's a picture of a, a massive yacht and the name, and it has a little, you know, dingy boat on the back, like the because a yacht can't go into some places or whatever the yacht's sinking you hop on the dinghy anyways the, the main the dinghy on the back of this boat is called original contract, and the yacht is called change order <laughs> right so that's how the majority of contractors work and they're all almost trained to do that in some extent right or right. The, the more vague you are and i I just that didn't feel right to me like why especially maybe it worked years ago but now like everything's out there if you want to know anything just search search it online so i'm of the mind it's like all right they're going to go search it anyways or they're going to ask for it why not just give it to them right then you don't have to worry about that here's everything that you need to know and this is how we run our contracts so our contracts are cost plus uh, so it does put the risk to some extent on the homeowner but i explain to people The risk is on you anyways, because a fixed price contract is never a fixed price contract. That's why there is a change order, right? That's what change orders are for. So unless you are very explicit and know, write down every single item that's included, the contractor will eventually have to do a change order and there will be something that changes and they don't have to explain that change order, right? They can charge you whatever they want And they're going to have to, to some extent, because they probably made a mistake somewhere too, right? We are human and they're going to have to make that money back somehow. So once, you know, once you have that conversation, then it kind of makes sense for a lot of them, but they still, a lot of people still want the fixed price, which I, which I understand. But for me, I, I just didn't, I still didn't like that game. So that's why we started to just do, look, we're going to give you every single receipt for every screw that's purchased for your property. Uh, but here's our markup. And here's what we charge by the hour. Yes, we will do a budget. Yes, we will track that budget. Yes, our goal is to stay on budget. Uh, and we're going to communicate that. And that's kind of where the hospitality comes in. It, it's, the, it's the guys on site, right? Our guys are there every, every day. We have our weekly calls. So it's not just me. It's the team making sure that they're taking care of the clients. I'm working with them.
1: So earlier you mentioned the Conscious Builder Academy. I assume these are the types of practices you teach through that. Tell me a little bit about what, what the uh, Conscious Builder Academy is.
0: Yeah, we just launched that last year. So our latest course was managing clients because we're all dealing with a lot in the last couple of years. So uh, you can go to consciousbuilderacademy.com and you can see what's going on there. We do have a good deal on that, that program. We're giving away a lot of freebies with that one right now. And the next one I'm doing is on marketing and selling, you know, passive houses, green construction type, uh, because we've gotten a lot of requests for that. And um, I'm slowly—we haven't got into a lot of the the building techniques or anything. There's a lot of people who already do that, Um, but we're kind of working towards that. Right now, we're focusing more on on the contractors, right, the conscious builder, and we we, you know we take care of the clients through the projects that we do. But this is really to help contractors succeed, right? So the first thing, yes, it's great if you can build a passive house, but like I said at the beginning, is that it doesn't matter if you're a great carpenter, if you don't know how to run a business, right? So if, if we can help, we my goal is to help those people stay in business. The ones who really want to do a good job is give them, the, give them what they need, the knowledge, the information they need in order to actually run a successful business as opposed to just build a great home.
1: How about a, a favorite project of yours so far? Just kind of curious to hear a little bit about that. The next one. <laughs> the next one. Hey, I love that. Yeah, there's. I, I can't pick one
0: out. They're they're all different. They're all they're all interesting. Uh, but I'm always working on. You know what's what's the next what's the next project? And and a lot of the projects that I work are 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 more focused on within the business, right? So sure. Uh, I'm I get the the projects the construction projects set up, but I pass it off to my team. Then they take over, and I I kind of more advise or I'm involved when they need me to, but.
1: For the most part, they're taking over the construction part after, after everything begins. Good stuff. And that's quite a lesson for contractors as well to realize that you really can do that. You don't have to do everything. Yes.
0: And you have to, right? It's impossible to do everything. Absolutely. If you try to do everything, like you just... You're not going to be able to do it very well, right? You're gonna, you're not going to sleep. You're gonna be
1: stressed. You mentioned earlier that you do a lot of reading and research and looking into things. Any new technologies or practices that you're seeing, kind of coming, starting to come into fruition or into reality, um, that really excites you right now, as disruptors and game changers?
0: So the this might not be what you think. So <laughs> in terms of technology, like for things on site, there's there's not a whole lot that I think is going to change anything soon right there's 3d printing and stuff happening but the biggest problem we have still is in our existing home supply and and renovating and improving those because the majority of the homes that we need are already built and what are we going to do with that so i don't see a whole lot that's going to disrupt that but in terms of of real estate and uh ownership of certain things uh I don't know how familiar you are with cryptocurrency but i've been doing a lot of research on that the last two years and nfts i think nfts are going to change the real estate world Uh, i think it's going to change how businesses are started and funded and operated um there's a lot going on and we're planning on some stuff with some nfts i've actually put a lot of work into it already uh, because People think, you know, in the mainstream, if you just follow that, all you just people are just paying, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for pretty pictures. But it's not about the picture. It's about what's attached to that file, right? That NFT is proof of ownership. So imagine your home was also an NFT and that NFT was basically the deed to your property. So if you wanted to transfer that to somebody else, you just sell them your NFT. Here's the NFT. Now it's proof that you own that house. So you own the wallet that has that NFT. You own the house. But on a business Perspective, you could create a whole like this is where the Country Builder academy is going is you can create memberships around these NFTs and they, they also become collectible and people can trade them right and it can be fun. But if people own those those NFTs, that would give them access to events or access to your online courses. And then once they're done with it, they could trade it or sell it to somebody else. Somebody could write you know draw a plan for the architects out there. Turn your plans into NFTs and sell them. Attach your royalties to it. You know what I mean? Like you can you can make a set of plans, create 10 of them. That's it for that set of plans. Put it out there. And every time that plan gets sold, you make a royalty on it and you don't even have to sell it, right? And the person who has that plan technically owns it. They can choose to keep it or they can choose to pass it off to somebody else when they're done with it, right? So I, I think that there's a lot. <laughs> I could pr- talk on a whole... <laughs> whole hour on on where we're going with this but i uh, that's kind of where my mind is going is how can we use that in the construction industry how can we use that for the conscious builder how can we use that to benefit the members of the conscious builder academy Uh, because i think there's huge potential there and we're just at the beginning right i don't think like there's a lot going on there's a lot of money (laughs) flowing around most of the businesses are going to fail like like any other business that starts up there. There's going to be rug pulls out there, but for the ones that are really, that really do it well, uh, I think can really take their business to the next level with something like this.
2: Interesting. I've listened to a couple of, uh, you know, podcasts and things of Kevin Rose and Tim Ferriss and some other guys talking about these type of developments, but hadn't really taken the leap to think about what it might mean for our industry yet. You know, thought about it a little bit, but uh, not nearly like what you have for the last couple of years. So exciting to, connect with someone on the, making sure we're on the leading edge. You know, you certainly go far beyond um,
1: typical builders of, you know, thinking about reading plans, developing plans, driving nails. Um, What, who who would you suggest that folks, um, look at yourself 10 years ago, who would you tell folks to be listening to or paying attention to these days? The tech world, the young world—at least on the business side, right? Listen,
0: like I'm following guys that are that are easily ten years younger than me, right? So learning learning from them because that's a new world that I'm not aware of that I'm very interested in. Uh, but it really depends on what your interest is. So I think it's kind of a it's a tricky question because we can get paralysis by analysis, right? So yes, I read a lot and I and I look into a lot of different things, but I'm also self aware of. The fact that I can easily be taken down a rabbit hole <laughs> of <laughs> information, right? So there's, I'm very much a just-in-time information type of person, unless I'm researching a bigger project and like the NFT world, right? And how we can use that. That's more, I'm reading, making notes and figuring out how that works and how what we can do with that. Um, but people like Tim Ferriss, right? People that think differently, People people that... Have you, when you're done listening to them, if you have more questions than answers, it's probably somebody you want to listen to.
1: Good advice. Good point, yeah.
0: Because the majority of, if you follow mainstream media, they tell you how to think, right? We don't want to be told how to think. We need to learn how to think for ourselves. And the best podcasts out there are really teaching you how to think for yourselves. If you listen carefully, they're teaching you how to ask questions questions right how to uh, how to actually come up with your own thesis and your hypothesis and make decisions for yourself and I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of where the world is right now uh, with everything but there's a lot that that's a that's a very Uh, obvious point of people being drawn in a certain direction and now being realizing that maybe it wasn't the right direction, for example, or not the right direction for them, right? Or things change, right? And, and that's what I want to change in the construction industry too. And in business is like, just listen to people who are, who are teaching you how to think and, and don't rely on, on others for those, those things, right? I think we, we're, we're easy to pass off responsibility,
1: but if you really want to live an amazing life, you have to take on that responsibility yourself and own it. So, so kind of along those lines, if you think about in our world, uh, the relationship between designers or architects and product manufacturers, building materials manufacturers and contractors, and you think about that relationship, anything you can imagine that you'd like to see different in those relationships between those three? because right now they're they're all pretty siloed. They tend to you know work independently of each other. Just curious for your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, so what what we promote is what's called an IDP or an uh, integrated design process. So when people come to us with plans already drawn, typically we don't get those projects because they're coming to me looking for a price, right? Give me the best price for my house. That's really what they're saying sure we want to work with you we know we believe in what you're doing and we really want to work with you but here's our plans can you give us a price Eh. (laughs) i know where this goes right ideally you have your architect you have your energy uh, advisor you have your contractor and your contractor brings in the subs when required right from the start that's the best way to do these projects if you go and do exactly what you described, you don't have as good of a project because you're making decisions without having all the information that you need to make that decision, right. right? Most plans that's come to me and they say, can you give me a price? I say, oh, what's your budget? If I get it out of them, their budget's never what's allowed or, or just by looking at the plans, I'll say that you don't have enough to build this, right? Because they were either misguided or they didn't listen to maybe the architect. Maybe gave them the wrong information. Um, So, ideally, it kind of starts at the homeowners. To be honest, for the most part, architects, contractors, and subcontractors, suppliers—they all want to work together, right? Because they're—they're all we're all working towards the same goal, right? It's not like by trying to undercut somebody else, you're going to do a better job. That doesn't work, right? You don't bite the hand that's feeding you, and we're all kind of feeding each other, right? So. it comes down to the homeowner making that decision to bring on their team from the beginning and and do it this way as opposed to just trying to go out and nickel and dime everyone and and get the best deal they possibly can it's it's not that 's not fun for anybody and that actually causes in uh, issues internally as well uh, i just I just met with a, a friend who used to, a guy who used to work where we worked together then he worked for me then he started his own business and he 's dealing with uh, a homeowner right now that is literally undercutting everyone. And he's just a PM on it. And she's trying to get him to undercut the trades that he has good relationships with. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that, right? He did the work and this is what the price was. And it's just, that that's not a good way to, to I'm not saying all homeowners are like that, but that's the type of thing that we're trying to avoid. You want everybody like working together towards the same goal together and they need the information in order to do that.
1: Very good. Well, this has been great. Um, been a really good time together. I've learned a lot, um, learned a lot. Thank you very much. I'm kind of curious, before we close out, I have to ask you something. Um, we do something on here called rapid fire questions. And these are seven questions. They can range from silly to serious. Your only commitment is to provide a quick answer to each one. And our audience needs to understand if Casey agrees to do this, he has no idea what we're going to ask i curious, before we close out here, Casey, are you up to the challenge of rapid fire? Let's do it. I'll keep them as short as possible. Very good. Ah, they can go long too. That's fine. <laughs> uh, this one might be a little longer. Um, I know that you, you have the son. Uh, I was stalking you on Instagram and I figured that out. But um, your biggest piece of wisdom or advice that you'd like to impart to your son?
0: To... <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. I never, I've never been asked that. There's so many things I want to leave behind. I always tell people that that my my son is my greatest teacher. That's awesome uh, because he does what I what I do, not what I say. <laughs> <laughs> he does listen. He does listen quite well. But um, I would say it would be to commit. I think most people are afraid to commit these days. And when you really commit to something, and no matter what, to make it happen, you can stand out. And it takes hard work, and it takes a lot of Dedication, Uh, But if you can commit to something and see it through to the end, at least to where it makes sense, you don't have to, if if it's in the wrong direction, it's fine. But to actually commit and really commit to something, and if he sees me doing that,
1: uh, I think that will serve him very well in life. Awesome. Good stuff. I knew you'd have a great answer to that. Uh, Favorite non-work-related hobby? I have a, a 77 Westphalia so i love going
0: camping but right now it's ripped apart it's, i still drive it but i can't really camp in it uh, but hopefully i can get
1: that back together this year <laughs> good deal do you prefer texting or talking
0: it depends on my mood <laughs> and, what, and what we're talking and what we need to talk about when i'm dri- when i'm driving i'll call everyone when i'm sitting at my desk texting is sometimes easier
1: <laughs> good answer uh, okay. If you had a super ability, would you prefer to have the ability to be invisible or to have super strength? I th- I would have to go with strength. Like I think, uh, yeah,
0: if I had to choose one, sure.
1: How would you describe your personal style in one word? I could probably go back to the original word then of like committed. Like that. Good stuff. Do you have any musical talent? I
0: just started to learn the guitar. Santa brought me an acoustic guitar and brought my son an electric guitar, so we're learning to play together.
1: Oh, that's Very awesome! Cool. Gosh, that'll that'll take you a long way.
0: Yeah, my my fingers are hurting right now, so building up those calluses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Seth is the guitar player around our place, so
2: nice. They won't hurt in a couple of weeks. You're, you're close.
1: <laughs>
0: that's good. My hands are all soft from being in front of the computer
1: now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Preference between summer or winter? I will say summer. Gotcha. Hey, this has been great. Thank you very much. Um, Been a real pleasure. Um, You really are making an impact out there, and I congratulate and applaud you on that. Loved our conversation. Loved hearing about um, just yeah, you know, again, I really would call it your personal style. It could be uh, committed, but it's also I see a lot of just introspection there. And I, I uh, really love seeing that in folks. Um, anything we haven't covered today that you'd like to share with our listeners and viewers?
0: I'm sure there's lots that we could have went into, but I think I just want to reiterate uh, the the importance to learn to think for ourselves, I think that's, that's really important in all of life. And especially when you're doing a major renovation or building a home, right. Or building a business, right. You need to be able to, to make decisions, uh, on your own and then commit to those decisions and, and continue moving forward. Right. And, uh, that will go a long way learning to, to ask questions and not being afraid to ask a lot of questions is, is important.
1: And, and, and I loved where you to talked to that, about that because I do think we, we hit a point in life where uh, even as children, we ask a lot of questions and eventually our parents get tired of hearing those questions. And so we hear this, don't ask so many questions. Yes. And yet how <laughs> how that is a skill that can serve us well our entire lives. So.
0: That's a very good point. And I'm very aware of how many questions my eight-year-old son asks me. And <laughs> for the most part, they're pointless, but I hope that I'm not like, Beating them out like that question stuff <laughs> right because I'm, I'm aware and answering those questions but I'm sure there's times where I'm tired or I just don't want to do it,
1: right so <laughs> well he is he is definitely at that age where yep lots of questions I'm sure um so how would uh, why might someone want to connect with you uh Casey and if they wanted to how would they go about doing that
0: well, the best place, if you want to learn more about me, just go to CaseyGray.com. There you can really find everything, but I highly recommend if you're a contractor to check out ConsciousBuilderAcademy.com, uh, but we're we're pretty well
1: everywhere. If you search the Conscious Builder, we'll, we'll pop up and you can you can get a hold of us or get a hold of me. Well, thank you again so much, Casey. This has been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed it a great deal. And um, thank you to our listeners and viewers for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption. We encourage you please watch for future episodes of our podcast. Um, we always have great guests, and certainly have been blessed with one today. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Um, and until then, until the next time, change the world for someone, make them smile, encourage them, encourage them. Two very simple things that we can do to change the world one interaction at a time. God bless. Take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption.